You are listening to an Irreverent Podcast. Visit irreverent.fm for more content from our friends. Activist theology is built on the power of story, and we believe story can change the world. We also know that being in community with one another on this journey will help to build a movement committed to collective liberation and a more loving world. We have a commitment to the ethics and politics of Encajunto, or togetherness. And we are together in this work with you. Hi, folks. This is Dr. Robin. And this is Reverend Anna Galladay. And we are your hosts for the Activist Theology Podcast. It's time for all of us to get our hands dirty. Hey, Pastor. Well, hey there, Dr. Robin. How are you? I was just commenting to someone that in three days, it will be the middle of October. Uh, I know. Where and did this like, year go? Yeah, and only like nine weeks till Christmas. Right. Uh, it just feels, yeah, it feels so, everything feels at an accelerated, everything is going at an accelerated pace. My mind, my body, the year, like all of the yeah. things feel like they're moving faster in, yeah. in it towards um, a destination unknown than normal. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like my life feels nonstop right now. And, and I'm just like, where are the guardrails? Where, how do we keep this train on the track? You know, same. Yeah. My, um, I had the, I had a really beautiful experience this past weekend. I was in um, Louisville for Kentuckiana Pride. And as I've told you and the listeners before, I mean, Pride festivals are one of the, my favorite places to be. Um, they really are just for, for all of the challenges that the concept of pride can create as it relates to capitalism and, you know, kind of a siloing of identity, they really are just this beautiful representation of the nuance of our, our, our beings and, you know, being able to watch people walk around and engage in ways that are just truly authentic to themselves in a place that is, um, you know, relatively safe for them to be who they are. is just a really beautiful thing for me. And so I had the opportunity to do that this weekend. I worked really hard. My body, um, was hurting, but I thought, ah, like I'll push through it. Got home Sunday night and my body just had a full revolt moment was like, you have done too much. And I am about to punish you and remind you why you're supposed to slow down and why you're supposed to rest. And I have been down for the last day and a half with a pretty debilitating migraine. And it's just, you know, it's a reminder that I, um, I am no longer 25 mm. and I also, uh, you know, really need to, um, to, you know, pay attention more to, um, the small signs my body's or my body is trying to give me until it feels like it has to put a big neon fucking marker in front of my face and tell me to lay down in the dark because that's the only thing that's going to yeah. get me through. Yeah. <laughs> so I get it. I'm with you on the guardrails piece and you know, and, and it's what it's, a, it's a vicious cycle, right? I, I lost a full day of work yesterday and now feel behind and right. yet like I needed the rest and, 
but the work is still there. And I, I know you get it. It's, you know, it's not a, it's not an easy, we, we made that, I made that mention a few minutes ago about the hamster wheel. It's not an easy wheel that we're on. And yep. um, we both, I think, feel like we're running in circles sometimes. Yeah. Yep. So. But this week we get to take a little trip. We do. To we do. tend to our neighbor's at the border. Yes. Yes. We have, we've told you all about this for a few weeks. Um, as you know, um, Dr. Robin and I are going to be traveling this coming weekend to join the We the People um, bike ride. Um, our friends and colleagues have been riding from riding their bikes along the entirety of the southern border, uh, started in California and are going to be finding themselves in McAllen, Texas this weekend. And we are going down to join them to have um, conversations around what the border and community and our immigration practices, you know, look like, as well as to engage in, um, you know, joining them and holding public witness and being part of the storytelling that's important around, around what's going on on the border. I was listening to the news this weekend and was listening to a report I, I I watch and listen to MSNBC and the report that was on this weekend was I don't remember how many thousands of people are at the border who are living in basically a refugee camp waiting for the US to open the border to begin allowing refugees into uh, the country to seek asylum. Um, I can't remember the number, but it's, it's a pretty large number and like a small city. Yeah. I think it's around 250,000. It's um, 250,000 that have actually had interactions with agents to this point. Um, who knows how many more are, you know, just kind of waiting to to see if they can find a way through. Yeah, and what the report that I was listening to were how coyotes are using social media to advertise their services and people are paying I mean people are so desperate to get across the border that they're paying thousands of dollars to coyotes to for transportation and it got me thinking about just how we treat each other and the fact that so much so much dogma happens inside the church that the practice doesn't end up treating people well or that or the impact of the dogma is is basically to dispose of people sort of insider outsider and this got me thinking about my immigration mm -hmm. and the reasons why people migrate and and how do we create 
the kinds of conditions that allow for all of us to treat the other, whatever the other is, or whoever the other is, to treat the other with kindness, with compassion, with care. Uh, it got me thinking about this and and also thinking about what does holding public witness, what does even raising awareness, what does that even do if if people aren't interested in caring for people? Right. There, there, are, there are so many ways in which this um, crisis is transactional for folks, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, many think of it as a, 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 a job conversation. Um, some think of it as a rights conversation. Others think of it as um, a, a competitive um, conversation, depending on how you see others and how you value others and how you identify with the other in your midst will determine what your understanding and your desire is for this community of folks to be um, cared for and, and to be embraced and to be, you know, navigated through the process of asylum should they need that. Um, it was interesting. I am, I am not a huge, um, Bill Maher fan. Um, I was for a while, then I wasn't, he's, he's just, he's problematic in a lot of ways, but on his episode this past weekend, um, I only saw kind of a YouTube clip for a few minutes of the conversation, but he had killer Mike, the rapper on this weekend. And, um, Killer Mike's comment was around his perception that the Black working class are afraid of immigrants coming into the country because of the competition for jobs. And it made me, it it made my stomach turn. It made me sick to my stomach to think about the way that this, what what should feel as if uh, it's a simple humanitarian care-based conversation has turned into a conversation that is, that is making someone like Killer Mike, who is a Black man, speaking on behalf of other Black folks in our country, kind of accelerate a, 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 a war of sorts, a, 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 a whataboutism of, mm-hmm. of sorts around the humanity of people. And I'm curious, not only how we stand in this space of um, solidarity with all of our um, black and brown kin in the work, but also how we are, purveyors of community and purveyors of love and justice in a world where um, we are often pitting ourselves against one another in, in conversations that really matter. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, I think in, in the same way 
are in the same sort of mindset that there is enough money to go around. There's also enough work to go around. Right. We have created systems that make it appear as though there are a scarcity of jobs. Uh, I another another thing that I was listening to this weekend said that job job seekers are being confronted with automatic or automation robots who who are um not even you know when they send in a resume because of the automation the the resume if there is a gap in employment they just get thrown into a pile so uh where they don't advance forward and so we I, I say that to say we are depending on non-human systems yeah that don't embody care and so work becomes a scarcity Mm-hmm. I know that there are a lot of people, at least here in the Nashville area, who are looking for jobs, uh, restaurants, and other places are looking for workers, but they but they can't find workers. And you know, I just there's something about a living wage mm-hmm. that that is also a part of this. There is an abundance of jobs, but there is a lack of willingness or maybe a lack of understanding why it's important to create conditions for a livable wage. Right. Um, all of these are entangled entangled together. And, and, and even I had to have hard conversations with people last year who wanted to pay me $50 for something that they would pay a lot more for. And, you know, and I just had to say, like, you are getting better content because I'm not having to navigate an airplane or travel. Right. And I'm sleeping in my own bed and you have an endowment, but you don't want to pay what is equitable. Right. And it was an eye opener for a lot of people. And, um yeah I mean we there there are there there's there are a lot of problems and you know one of the things that I think I do a lot of is take time to think about issues and a lot of us are not skilled at thinking through the complexity of issues and the impact of how entangled these issues are and it it does require a level of analysis but you know progressive liberals white liberal progressives it that is a particular analysis which is actually quite harmful for people and people don't people people think oh i'm going to vote democrat i'm going to vote blue and that that's going to solve my problem when when really that analysis is just as close and similar as an analysis to the right um and so we, i think we need more tools to help people 
develop an analysis that is actually um, takes the underside seriously and is more of a liberation analysis versus a capitalistic, neoliberal, liberal progressive analysis, uh, which, you know, you spend a lot of time with people with that type of analysis and, and people think that that's the way forward and um, it might actually be harm replicating. Yeah, I will be interested to see how our time this weekend is is spent in McAllen. Um, I mean, there are there are still temporary cities that are popped up there, um, both because of COVID testing and you know and other um, challenges that that they are up against when it comes to the immigration crisis. Um, I know the most recent. Um, statistic that I saw, and this has been a few weeks ago when I checked it, was there were about 1,800 migrants a day that were um, trying to enter through the the McAllen um, entry point alone. And, you know, there... 1800 people a day is a lot of people. That's a lot of, that's a lot of story. There are a lot of families that, that make up those numbers. Um, you know, the likelihood is that there's a significant number of children in that number, that 1800, 1800 person number a day. And I wonder, um, I wonder if we have lost our, um, desire to not only, as you say, kind of sit with the complexities and and understand how all of this is entwined, but also to really embrace and and seek out the stories of the the humans that are that are trying to come through those um, border towns and and come to the United States for a life that they fully and truly believe will be significantly better than the one that they are a part of or that the one they're experiencing in their home countries. Um, I think that we, I mean, we both have a desire to not only share our own stories, but to really hear and embrace and um, then further share the stories of others. And so I'm looking forward to our time in McAllen. I think that there will be an opportunity for us to have conversations with some of the folks that are a part of the We the People bike ride and learn about the stories of experience that they have shared over um, these last this last month that they've been on the road. Um, but also really to kind of sit with this um, with the the emotional kind of heartbreak and joy that comes with getting to know and and learning the stories of the people whose lives could be transformed should they um, be able to to leave their their countries and and come here to the U.S. Yeah, you know, a lot of us don't realize that the story of migration is one of forced migration, um, largely due to economic right. reasons and and the ways in which um, gangs and 
drug peddlers infiltrate cities. Right. And it's fueled by U.S. politics. And I think a lot of people don't realize the ways in which migration is imbricated upon the United States. And and we are complicit in that. Yeah. And and many of us think if we if we vote Democrat or vote blue or try to break up a Republican supermajority, then that solves problems. Um but that is that is not the case. Which is why I always harp on the binary of right and left or GOP and Democrat. Um two sides to the same coin. Right. And, and our theologies uh, reflect that in many respects. And I've tried to jettison that by really taking up a more liberationist perspective that troubles the waters. Um, but I I continue to find very few people who actually are able to participate in that conversation because they're so not only conscripted into supremacy culture, but they think that by just having a Democrat president or a Democrat majority um, is the solution. Um, and there there's a short-sightedness um, that I find with people, uh, and that's very discouraging. Yeah, I um, I will be curious to see what kind of um, uh, you know what we enter into mm-hmm. when we um, arrive in McAllen. We are going to be doing um, continuing this episode in McAllen. We will be um, having conversations when we're there. We'll be chatting with some folks that are on the ground and that are a part of the work um, of of liberation and in some cases um, in, uh, you know, complex, (laughs) adding complexities to things that, that we believe should be um, easier conversations than, than we've made them. Um, But it'll be, it'll be good to be there. It'll be good to be alongside others who are um, also deeply engaged in this work. And um, I'm excited to continue the conversation once we are there with our colleagues and our friends. Yes, same. Pastor. Dr. Robin. We are in McAllen, Texas. We are in McAllen, Texas. We're in my home state. I know. It's so exciting. We have, we don't, one, we don't get to travel enough as it is. COVID. And so COVID, bleh. But we don't ever get to do the podcast sitting across the table from each other. Yeah. We've got to do it twice in the last two months. Yeah. And it feels like a gift. Yeah. Really. Yeah. So we're in McAllen, Texas. Yes. We, we told y'all that we were going to be traveling. Right. And so here we are, and we got to go to a ranch party last night. We did. We we were at, we well. Let's let's say the truth. We drove through an well, epic tell, thunderstorm. But let's back up because oh. yesterday you got up at three a.m. <laughs> and I woke up to a text message at five a.m. Yes. Which was sent at four fifty-eight Central Time. Yes. My alarm went off at five. Yes. You said my flight is delayed by four hours. Yes. And that you weren't going to arrive in McAllen till five so that I needed to figure out a ride. Yes. 
So I, that's how we started our day. Planes, trains, and automobiles. Yeah. Like that's that's yeah. the way we live our life. It's what we do. And so, yes, but we made it to McAllen. We went to a ranch party last night where we got to have this amazing meal and kind of get to know the team that was going to be a part of what we did today. Yep. And we heard some amazing stories. Heard amazing stories and learned about an organization that we're going to talk about in just a few minutes. But we need to tell people about what happened today. Yes. So today my booty my booty this big booty got on a bicycle on a bicycle on a bicycle and rode 12.5 miles from McAllen, texas into rayosa mexico and um and i'm living to tell the tale yeah. like i didn't fall i didn't crash I my I am sitting on a roadkill. I saw roadkill. I'm sitting on a chair right now, and like my butt is like still able to hold me up. <laughs> I'm not like in so much pain that I can't right. handle it. But all that to say, yes, we did we did participate in the bike ride that we said we were going to be a part of with Doug Paget and his team from Vote Common Good and the People's Ride. Yep. Um, but what was best about this day was going into Rayosa, seeing the um experiencing the life of asylum seekers right. in a very small and tangential way right and um why don't you tell folks a little bit about who we've met on this journey well, let me just say that the last time I was in Reynosa, I was working with orf an orphanage uh, 20 years ago when I was in college. We drove from Abilene, Texas down to Reynosa and got to work with kids in an orphanage. And so this was my first time back to that area, though I've been back to Mexico several times since then. Um, but this is my first time back to Mexico uh, since before the pandemic. And, you, you know, you hear stories about the border crisis and you don't yet know until you can really see it and once you see it you can't unsee it you can never unsee it and we spend a lot of time at the activist theology project and on this podcast talking about getting your hands dirty yes and that's exactly what we did we got our hands dirty we got our hands dirty with the work of the world yes uh, with the suffering of the world with the wounds of the world yes um and here we are now to kind of continue the story right. with the founder of practice mercy yes um alma ruth who is an amazing woman yes. has an amazing story and i'm so excited that we get to sit down with her tonight after a long day We've of had a, being yes. in reynosa um but yeah so Alma Ruth, welcome to the Activist Theology Podcast. We Thank are you. thrilled that you Thank said you. yes to us and that you agreed to come and sit with us for a few moments and tell us a little bit about your story. Um, we mentioned very briefly that you were with an organization called Practice Mercy, mm -hmm. and um, your work is very specifically oriented in this area, this part of the country, this bridge between McAllen and Reynosa, can you tell our listeners a little bit about how you arrived at doing this work and a little bit about why you are the one that is actually doing the work? What is it about your, you and your life? What brought you to this moment where 
your work with these humans is important and where you recognize that you were the one that needed to be doing it. Wow, thank you. Well, I'm honored to see to sit down with you and I'm honored to meet you and I'm so glad you're here. And yes, we had an amazing day, right? Yes. Um, I've been based out of, uh, I'm a recent immigrant. I'm from Monterey, Mexico. And it happens that Dr. Robin has been there spending summers a long time ago. And I'm a recent immigrant and I am a faith-based humanitarian. In other words, or religious words, I'm a Christian missionary. But uh, we serve in a very holistic, in a very grassroots, very relational way. And and yes, it's, it sounds so important, right? I'm the founder and executive director for Practice Mercy Foundation, but uh, it is um, the organization, the faith-based nonprofit that we are developing to fill gaps and uh, the way that we do things is not very American. It's not very American in the sense that it's very Middle Eastern, very Jesus ways. Um, we describe ourselves, myself and, and my board of leadership, as uh, followers of Jesus, mm -hmm. you know, and, and we want to follow him and we apply Jesus ways, literally. You know, we go from tent to tent in refugee camps along the southern border in what is called the region that is called the Rio Grande Valley. And this specific region is not necessarily friendly to asylum seekers or refugees. Uh, we are very limited in the network of support that these people have and we have to each other. Um, um, the communities on both sides of the border are hostile to these people that are fleeing danger, not only for themselves, but for their children. And, oh, and when we hear people, why? don't they do it the legal way? There's no legal way, mm -hmm. you know? And um, you and I would do anything for our children, for our niece, for our nephew, for whoever that is a child in danger. So it's what these people are doing. They're trying to save their girls from being raped at eight or nine years old. They're trying to or save- Or being kidnapped or stolen. Or sold. Or sold. Into human trafficking, right. yes. And also they're trying to save their boys, seven, eight years old, from MS-13, from cartels and their countries of origin. And so it's not a small thing what these people are doing. And uh, I cannot imagine to have faced a situation in under those circumstances. So when we, it's just recent that I'm able to do that because I'm a recent immigrant. Mm -hmm. So before, even though I arrived into the Rio Grande Valley several years ago, I was not able right. to participate because I'm a recent immigrant. So now I'm able to cross borders, but I was myself landlocked for several years right, because right. of my immigration process. And I don't know if you know, if you have never visited the border by land, there's a checkpoint from the border, once you cross into the border, there's a checkpoint in Falfurias, Texas, where you you have to stop and you have to show the documents. So if you don't have the proper documents, you cannot go past the checkpoint. Right. So we can assure you the border is a different world and the Rio Grande Valley border is completely another different ball game. In El Paso, you have multiple organizations and network of support for these people. Tijuana is super developed, you know, with multiple organizations from California. Right. You have Fuller Seminary, you have Jewish Charities, you have the Global Immersion Project, you have multiple organizations that are amazing right. and have my uttermost respect. But here, we have Catholic Charities in 
the American side in McAllen lead that is led brilliantly by Sister Norma Pimentel, that is highly respected in the faith or in, in any part of the world, and it was recommended by Pope Francis. Uh, and on the Mexican side, we have Senda de Vida, which is a, a Christian shelter, and we have another shelter that is run by amazing Catholic nuns, but that's pretty much it. Mm -hmm. So what? you have thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people being expelled from the United States because they cross the river illegally and um, they are being returned to Reynosa. The Mexican government has no capacity to handle so many thousands of people that they're not from Mexico. You know, so it's like you saw with the Haitian crisis, you know, all we have a major, major displacement of people. Mm -hmm. And if we say that we are pro-life, then all lives are equal and all lives matter. Right. So if I'm pro-life in American side, I should be pro-life on the Mexican side for these people. Right. Correct. So uh, one of my favorite verses is in Revelation 7-9 that it says that I saw before the throne people from all nations, all tribes, and all languages. So for me, that is very important that we acknowledge that everyone is equal. And I love what Doug says that we the people ride, which is the first word in the American Constitution. Okay. And I'm a recent immigrant, so I'm, re I'm learning about that. But I love that we, and the we, everyone is included. Yes. And we should do that, you know. And for me, as, as a woman of faith, as a leader of faith, as a recent immigrant, it is extremely important that we should show kindness in that. And uh, Practice Mercy was founded completely by the guidance of God um, based on Micah, Prophet Micah 6, 8. For the Lord has asked you what he requires of you, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before the Lord. And we are trying to do that. We're trying to seek justice. We're trying to practice mercy. Right. Mercy is compassion given to someone that doesn't deserve it. Mm -hmm. So as people of faith, either we we practice what we say we practice, or, or, or we are just followers uh, in the sense of tweeting, right? Or Instagram, I follow this account. Um, because it's, it's extremely important to do that. And, and one of the last order, if not the last order from Jesus was, I have, com I command you, you know, in Matthew 28, and he says, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them what I've, I've, I've taught you, right? And so um, I, for a couple of years after I received my work permit and then I received my permanent residency, I s sought, right, past tense, uh, to help in other organizations. Okay, you can go and make sandwiches. Well, I'm a senior missionary and I'm bilingual, bicultural. I served in Cuba. I got arrested by the Cuban military in Cuba for smuggling Bibles into Havana. I miss a car bombing outside Jerusalem. Um, our translator in Turkey got beat up, but I guide the youth. So I could do more than sandwiches, right? Right. Um, not diminishing sandwich makers, but uh, I, I wanted to do more than that. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be with them. I wanted to pray with them. I wanted to hold them if they were crying. It's horrible when you're crying and nobody really cares. Yes. It's horrible. It's a horrible emotional pain. And and so nobody was interested in my services for free. So um, we prayed and prayed and prayed and I, I, I researched and I read and um, 
I went to the camp with one now one of my board members, Dr. Will McCorkle, and he was visiting us in for a conference. And hey, I want to go to Matamoros when the Matamoros refugee camp. I don't know if you're familiar. Yes. They were there and for years. And I said, oh, great. I've never been there. So let's go. Uh, so we went there and that just really, really, uh, I've never, I've been in poverty, right? In Mexico, in the garbage cities and all of that. And I grew up in Mexico. So you're used to poverty, but this was different. Mm. This was pregnant women on the sidewalk, um, naked children. It was winter and and it was heartbreaking situation, right? Well, a refugee camp is, and this wasn't even a refugee camp by UN standards. And so we were there, and so something has to be done about it. And But nobody, no one in on the organizations that we're currently serving were interested in what I wanted to do. I'm praying for people, talking to people, helping people directly, right? And so I, went by myself mm -hmm. a backpack you know some clothes for my children some food from my groceries you know in my pantry and went there and I was a bit nervous I was in Mexico but I was inside a refugee camp in Mexico with people from Central America Cuba Venezuela Ecuador Haiti uh, so it was it was eye-opening mm -hmm. and I wasn't sure what to do I didn't know anybody mm -hmm. I had my backpack and um, and I and I told the Lord. I said, "Well, I'm being obedient. I'm here. I'm stepping in. But you have to guide me. You have to tell me what to do because I knew cartel moles were in there. I knew MS-13 moles were there. So I have to be careful. And so I stick to and I still do uh, working and serving women and children." Mm -hmm. So we continue doing that, and, and the first people I met were immediately people that became partners in the ministry, and it was completely God-led, because they would tell me, we usually don't trust anybody, because mm -hmm. we're so jaded because of the traumatic right, trip, right. but with you it's different. You know, you sit down, you ate with us since the mm -hmm. first time you came, and that makes a whole difference. Yeah. Because usually, as, as you guys know, you are very experienced with the Western world of doing things, right? And it's like this charity approach. I'm here, and you're poor and brown, so I'll give you. Here's a blanket, next, you mm -hmm. know, here it is, next, you know. So you don't engage. You go and give blankets and socks, and it's needed, and we thank you for that, but you're not engaging. Right. You're not equal. Right. And it's something that we need to go back to our roots and how relational our faith is, mm -hmm. how our sacred text tells us everything is relational. And much of this stuff, and I think... Uh, Mexicans or Hispanics or Latinos or Middle Easterns or Mediterraneans uh, do things um, like uh, relational. Very relational. Sorry, hang on. Doesn't fall asleep. And um, so it's uh, something that Jesus did in the gospel is that he ate with people and I think he was Mexican uh, you know <laughs> I mean look we love to eat with each other I mean <laughs> Dr. Robin talks all the time about gathering around the table we it's have to go and one see of our you favorite yeah. I have to go and see Please. you listen I wanted to ask you a question because mm -hmm. um, today we 
heard a lot of stories. Yes. And and last night you were very specific about um, helping us understand the caste system where indigenous women are at the bottom of the rung and they often get no help. And, and yet today I sat across the table from Jason and got to know him and got to know his story and he showed me pictures of his injuries and, and then you further elaborated uh, with me about his story and we got to hear his story. And, you know, he, th- that, that um, budding friendship with Jason has left an impression on me because I think about um, all the young men here in the United States who are often poached by gangs and recruited. You know, that happens here too, but that is a big part of his story. And, you know, he is just trying to be safe. But um, as as I have often thought about, the Holy Spirit is feral. She has, she has, she abides by no rules. And, and your ministry is for women and indigenous women. Yes. But you really felt that the spirit directed you to Jason. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about um, what compels you to do this work? Why, why this work? At least five years ago, if you would have asked me that, um, I would have said, no, I would never be a border missionary because I'm not a border missionary in the sense of, oh, I go to colonias or communities and right. give water and, you know, help them to sow and do gardening. No, I, I don't do that. Um, no, I risk my life for the sake of the gospel because I'm in love with Jesus and because I want to be obedient to what he's calling me and leading me to do. Mm-hmm. In this sense, um, I only work with uh, women and children, and the Lord is really guiding us in the last semester um, to focus on indigenous women mm-hmm. because of the huge and disgusting level of neglect yeah. that they have received. Uh, so that's why we're focusing on them. Mm-hmm. And also uh, because uh, no one is really doing it, mm-hmm. right. you know, and no one is really paying attention to them. They speak broken Spanish. They right. are uneducated. Nobody can really understand them. Sometimes when they're talking to me, I have to elaborate well so I can get the full picture and right. I fully understand them so they can communicate. And there's so many emotions when right. they talk to me that they, I have to make sure I understand them clearly right. so I can un- tell their stories. And... Regarding Jason, it was a very direct guidance from God. I was getting ready to leave, and um, God just kept telling me to go and check on him. He had just arrived in the plaza from being expelled from the United States, but he had been walking for several days in the 100 degree feet, so the skin of his feet was attached. It was attached to his shoes, mm. so he couldn't take his shoes off right. without hurting himself. Right. And so, and, and the Lord just kept talking to me about it. And so I went and checked on him. And so you just got here. He said, "Yeah, yeah." So and 
check with him, spoke with him. He was almost suicidal when we met him, when I met him. Mm -hmm. You know, he was he was done with life. There was so much pain. There was, you know, nothing was going. Right. Um, he had been trying to be recruited by MS-13 multiple times. That's why he left his country. Right. And because he's tall, handsome, young man, um, he was he is being heavily recruited by cartel in Reynosa, but he refuses. So we are praying that God will open a door for an immigration attorney to do a pro bono work for him so we can save his life again. Mm. Uh, and, and so God told me to go and speak with him. I did and interview him. I pray for him. And we left uh, resources to be taken to a doctor to get medication because otherwise he would uh, get gangrena, gang mm -hmm. gangrene, gangrene. Yeah. gangrene on his feet and his arms. Right. Uh, he was informing me that the Border Patrol agents were tired of seeking for asylum seekers, so they released the dogs. Right. So the dogs got him. They jumped on him and really scared him, so he fell on the brush. And all of his arms and his legs and his feet were completely hurt and bleeding in 104 degree weather without access to water. And uh, so the Lord sent us to intervene for him. And it was a completely guidance from the Lord. And it's how we operate. We go into the, the refugee camp and we go from tent to tent identifying the most vulnerable cases that we can. And because I'm the only one that is full-time uh, in the border area, so I work in small groups. And it's uh, in completely grassroots, completely, mm -hmm. and it's relational. And so we engage with them, meaning hermana Alma at 3 o'clock in the morning, you know, somebody's trying to kidnap my kid, you know, what do I do? Pray for them, you know. Right. Uh, and it's very painful, but also it's extremely beautiful because we impact the lives of these people these people will never forget what we've done right. for them so i just want to say if you're listening to this and if you're connected to an Im immigration attorney reach out to us let us know because we want to do our part to help jason uh, he's got a wife and two kids he's got a kid that he's not yet met because his wife just gave birth a couple weeks ago um, and so we want to do our part in getting the word out for some sort of pro bono immigration work. Uh, you know, we need somebody on this side of the border and on the Mexican side of the border. Is that right? On the American side, we'll be okay. We can help on the Mexican side. So if you know somebody who does immigration work or immigration advocacy, reach out to me or Anna or to the Activist Theology Project. We would love to help Jason yeah. somehow. Thank you. So I am um, one of the things that we friends, we've gotten to know Alma Ruth so well in the last 24 hours. We really this podcast could last four hours and you wouldn't get sick of hearing any of the stories. But I think one of the last things that we want to chat with you about is um, this um, the recognition that you have around the need for storytelling in this work. And so Robin and I talk often about the power of story and, and the way that story really can um, bring us together in community, but also can bridge us in our differences mm -hmm. in ways that oftentimes simple communication tactics can't. 
stories change people. Hearing other people's stories change people. Um, friends, I will tell you that we sat today and listened to the stories of um, four mothers and Jason, and I recorded um, most of their conversations, and we're going to be posting them on our social media in, in kind of bits and pieces. Um, I mean, I, I was not only was I in tears for the entire two hours that we had these conversations, but I was consistently reminded of the need for these stories to be told because that really is what's going to make a difference. Every single person seeking asylum has a story to tell. Mm -hmm. What you shared with us, though, is that specifically for these indigenous women, and when you when you say indigenous, you are you are meaning women who are coming from, in some cases, uh, a Mayan um, upbringing, village. uh, villages in the middle of hours and hours from the closest hospital and and major town. Mm-hmm. They do not speak Spanish. In no. they they have languages all their own, um, and they are. They are on the margin of the margins yes. in the camps when they arrive. Tell us a little bit about how you are working with them to help them share their stories in ways that may touch the hearts and lives of border control when asylum um is is um, kind of at their feet and and people are ready to listen to what they have to say. Mm-hmm. These people cannot even fend for themselves. They are fleeing because they want to save their lives of their children. Right. So they would not survive even in a Mexican city or in in their capital of their own country. And so I, I when I saw them, I said, how are they gonna make it? And so I am focusing on for them to regain their dignity. Mm -hmm. And because we engage with them relationally, we sit across the table with them. We sit with them. We eat with them. We we bring underwear. We bring uh, a bra. We Mm -hmm. bring feminine pads. We bring toothbrushes. So we start with them in the way of dignity, in their journey to dignity. You are equal. You and I are equal. I'm not here because I'm over here, up here, and you're down here. We are equal because we believe in God and because you're created in the image of God. Right. And so walking hand in hand with them so they can believe in themselves. They have been diminished since they were little. You're talking 500 years of conquest. We just celebrated the Christopher Columbus or whatever it is. (laughs) And I like the indigenous people's day, Uh you know, because uh, we weren't lost. We were Uh here, you know. They were were lost. They thought they were in India. Talk about geography. (laughs) And um, and so I I start with them on that. Uh We eat together. And why do you want to help us? They can is beyond them mm-hmm. why I care about it and I don't arrive with donations I arrive with my backpack my water mm-hmm. and and I tell them I want to pray for you and if they're interested and if the Holy Spirit is drawing them to him they will listen to that mm-hmm. I don't want them to be interested in me for what I can get them mm-hmm. that is not a genuine relationship right and we are relational and so that it, for us is very, very important that they understand that. Right. 
And then after we meet with them, and then I ask them, so what do you need? What can I help you, you know? And that's what we do. And after, you know, I go to Walmart and buy their underwear size or their sandals or whatever, you know, they start trusting me. Mm-hmm. Oh, she means what she says. Why would an educated mestiza, why an educated Latina woman would care about us? And so by my actions, I prove to them that I do care. And they start trusting me. And I, and one of the first things that we are teaching them is the main thing, your life and the life of your children depending on you telling your own story. Yes. I cannot tell it for you. So we work for weeks. This is our 10th team. We've done this 10 times. And it's painful and we cry and we engage and we cry again. The other nine teams have crossed the border to request asylum, and we praise the Lord for that. Uh, and so for, for us, it's extremely because their lives depend on their story. And so we have to train them. Okay, you speak with immigration official across from your table, and you look in the eye because you're equal. You should not be afraid of him. You should not be afraid of crossing the bridge because God is with you. That's why we are praying. Are you afraid? Yes. Okay, let's pray. And we pray. And then they cannot start their story for weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, when I left Guatemala, and my daughter got raped, you know, and sobbing, and they just collapse and almost faint. And we have to regroup, and we have to breathe, and we have to pray, and we have to read a scripture. Because I am not psychologist and I'm not trauma-informed, but because I'm a practitioner doing that, I have to learn the basics of that. And so it's what we're doing because we have to do that. And so we practice that. that Okay, God is with you, and it's based on our faith. God is with you. You're not alone. We can do this because we can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. And we make them memorize, and we uh, help them so they can sign their name, mm-hmm. uh, so they can, you know, uh, tell their stories mm-hmm. and all of that. So it takes time because mm-hmm. they cannot tell their stories without collapsing because mm-hmm. of the deep, horrific trauma and the horrific emotional pain that they go through mm-hmm. to get here. Um, friends, we we could talk with Alma forever, um, as I have said, um, but we wanted to make sure that we allowed her to just share a small portion of the work that Practice Mercy is doing here in McAllen. Um, We will have the links to um, Practice Mercy in the show notes, and we encourage you, um, if you have ever wondered whether you should log on and send Robin and I 10 bucks to publish the podcast this week or give up your coffee for a few days, your Starbucks for a few days in order to help the Active Theology podcast. Um, we want to ask you this week to redirect those funds to Practice Mercy. You can find them at practicemercy.org. There's a ton of information on there about the organization and um, we would encourage you to not only read a little bit about what they're doing, but also to get um, engaged with them and to follow them on social media so that you can actually kind of walk alongside Alma in, in this work. 
Um, we're really thankful that you joined us on this episode. It was a gift. Um, Thank you. I'm honored to meet you. I am so glad you came. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for riding <laughs> to Reynosa. <laughs> People who are from McAllen haven't been. We had one, right? We have yeah. Dr. Celeste that hasn't been in Reynosa for 10 years. And she crossed today with her daughter. And um, even though she was nervous, she was obedient to the Lord. And she came over. And I'm so glad. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. I'm so glad you came. I'm honored to be with you. And thank you. Thank you for your support. It means a lot to us. And I strongly believe it. I'm going to trademark this. You tell me, Robin, how to do that one. But um, support women, change the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I strongly believe that because God, how God has made us. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for today. Oh, well, thank you. This is a this is a issue, uh, a social concern that is very close to my heart. Thank you. Uh, border issues, and I've written on it. I've published on it. Um, it's it's something that um, I want to come back to time and time again Mm -hmm. and so friends really uh skip starbucks and amazon this week and give that money to practicemercy.org and let's um let's get our hands dirty in the work this is the best way to do it and we're really glad that you came with us on this journey to mccallan um we know we've been telling you about it for a few weeks that it's going to happen it has happened um and we were really glad to be a part of it and hope that we find ourselves back down here with alma and with practice mercy again in the future we'd love to thanks friends until next week let's get free We want to thank you for listening this week. We encourage you to share this podcast with your community. If you enjoy us and our work in the world, please give us five stars on your podcast platform. Want to help support this podcast? Go to activisttheology.com and click on podcast. We can only do this work with the help of you, our listeners. You have no idea how much even a small monthly or one-time gift means to this work. The music you hear in this episode is Hands Dirty by Delta Ray. Our sound editor is Dan Medley from 10 South Sounds. I get my hands dirty. I show up so early. They show me no mercy. So I just keep working. Maybe God could save me. Oh, my boss might pay me. You are listening to an irreverent podcast. Visit irreverent.fm for more content from our friends.